Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. think about the fact that you and I get to leave our mark on this world. You know, we get to choose to be friends with certain kinds of people. You get to choose what relationships you're in. You get to choose what organizations you're a part of, what sort of trade you go into. You get to, you get to choose what you are going to put your hand and your mind and your energy and your work to. And all of that stuff works together to sort of leave behind a legacy, leave behind a memory, leave behind a mark on this world. And part of leaving a mark in the world is getting to choose what that mark is. I, I come to a place like this and I look at the graffiti on the rocks behind me and there's a part of me that feels sad because there's a beautiful natural place. Uh, but there's also a part of me that understands it's a natural human desire to like literally leave my mark somewhere. This morning we are getting, we're gonna go, we're gonna dive deep into Acts and we're gonna look at the story and begin to explore what partnership looks like. And part of what we're going to see is that um, partnership is the legacy that we leave on the world behind us. It's a legacy that we've been given, that we inherit, and it's one we get to leave behind as well. And so I really wanna challenge you to consider throughout this whole series and this morning, what, what mark are you leaving on the world? What legacy are you leaving? Uh, is it gonna be graffiti? Is it gonna be is it gonna be art? Is it gonna be something beautiful? Is it gonna be something that just reminds people that you were once here? Hey, Nick was here. Or is it gonna be something more than that? Are you willing to partner with something greater than yourself to leave a mark on this world that will last forever? I had told you before that the book of Acts is really a story of, of how the church was founded. It's, it's, the, it's a bunch of stories put together about when Jesus goes back to heaven, he leaves behind a legacy like we're talking about. Jesus has left an imprint on the world. He's left behind a message with his disciples. And he says, go into the world and, and share this with all these other people, with the entire world. And Acts is the story of how that starts to happen. It's a story of missionaries. It's a story of, of sharing God's story with the world. Um, and it's the story of the founding of the church. And so... Um, we're going to partner with The Bible Project, and you have access to The Bible Project through thebibleproject.com. You can access all of the videos free right there. Uh, and you can also access it through our Right Now Media account. And so Right Now Media is something that the church pays for, you don't pay for, um, but you set up an account, and it's sort of like a Christian Netflix, and there's all sorts of Bible studies and things on there, including The Bible Project. So feel free to just dive deep, um, and, 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 and if you feel so led, donate to their cause, because what the Bible Project is doing is absolutely incredible, and you're going to get a chance to see that this morning. The Bible Project is going to give us our high-look overview of the chapters that we're studying. So this morning, we're looking at Acts 1 through 7, and the Bible Project is going to give us the overview of what happens in those chapters. And then what I'm going to do this week, and in future weeks, like Scott Boyer will do, is we're going to zoom in on one part of that story, or two parts of that story, to say, here's where we see partnership occurring in these chapters and here's what we can learn 
about the way that partnership happened in that. So that's kind of the, the plan of what this is going to look like as we move forward. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to let the Bible Project give you an overview on Acts 1 through 7. At this time, we're watching the Acts 1 through 7 video by the Bible Project. Feel free to look this up on YouTube, but for copyright purposes, it is not included in this recording. Well, I am thankful that the Bible Project can give us that sort of an overview of this book of the Bible, uh, or at least the first seven chapters, I should say. And, and before I jump into partnership, there's a couple of things that I just want to make mention of in the scripture, uh, just to kind of bring it to light to, to show you some just neat things. Um, first, I just want to make mention of the fact that there are uh, just a multitude of sermons in these first seven chapters. And I know that we all have different um, likes and dislikes when it comes to what a sermon should be, what does sharing the good news look like. Uh, and I just want you to, I want to challenge you this week. There are seven chapters that we are going over today. Take one day, every day this week, and work through those seven chapters. The sermons that you'll find being shared by Peter or by Stephen are just so rich, so full of such good information, and it should challenge us. It challenges me as a pastor, as somebody who gives a message or gives a sermon. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that we add to the equation that may not always be necessary. Uh, certainly, you know, Peter and Stephen didn't find it necessary um, to add certain things that we added today. And I mean that from the perspective of being funny. You know, there's pressure on a pastor to, when they give a sermon to be funny, uh, to tell a joke, to get the crowd engaged. Uh, there's also uh, pressure to be the most theologically astute person. So if I'm giving a sermon and there's a question that comes up or somebody disagrees or they want to get into an argument that, you know, I'm very learned in my theology and I can, and I can do that. Or just being the person who has... All the theology worked out even. So not just being able to argue, but having it all worked out. And there's a number of theological things that we have fought over, we have killed over, and we have divided over that do not even come up for Peter and Stephen and these other folks who are giving sermons, who are sharing the gospel, who are spreading the word. Um, you know, when they go before the Sanhedrin in these first seven chapters, before the most learned people, um, essentially, I think of going before the people that know the Bible better than anyone else. They, they look at them and they say, oh, these are just common men. They, they don't have the greatest education. They don't know the most, certainly. Uh, I mean, that's just not necessary for what they're trying to do. Uh, and certainly, as we look at their sermons, they're not cracking jokes or trying to entertain or, or be the the buddy-buddy guy for folks in the congregation. They're, they're sharing good news. They're sharing what Jesus has done. They're sharing some hard truths. They're challenging folks. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I want to point that out because these are the first sermons being given in the church. And the sermon has been shaped and reshaped for um, two millennia now. And it has evolved into something that is very different than what we see here. So I want to challenge you one Go through this week and read the seven chapters that we're studying. Uh, go back and look at the Bible Project video again if that's helpful to you. 
Um, and I want to challenge you to take a look at all these sermons. Um, I want to point out how uh, at the end of our passages this morning, uh, we have Stephen, uh, who goes before the Sanhedrin. And this is uh, chapter 7, the very end of our section. And he gives this incredible sermon. Um, and here's the thing. If you are a person who's kind of new to the Bible, new to Christianity, new to church, and you're like, I, I kind of want to read more about this. I want to learn more about this. I want to understand kind of the, the large scope of what happens in the Bible. What is the Bible telling me? What's the story of the Bible? Go to Acts chapter 7 and just read what Stephen what Stephen shares here in this sermon. He gives this incredible, concise helpful overview of the story of God coming through the Old Testament all the way to Jesus. Like it, it's beautiful. It's amazing. I, I could never do a better job than this. And so I just want to challenge you, familiarize yourself with this. It's a great way to begin to learn the overarching picture of what God has been doing um, for thousands and thousands of years with his followers all the way up to the point that Jesus comes. And of course, um, I, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss if I let us get to this uh, chapter seven, and I didn't mention again, Paul. Uh, we meet a man named Saul at the end of this, and the Bible Project video pointed the same thing out. Saul becomes Paul, and Paul plays a huge part, not just in the book of Acts going forward, but Paul authors, he writes most of our New Testament. So our last series, we talked about Romans. Paul wrote Romans. He wrote that letter. Um, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and Paul is uh, he's a Pharisee. He's very learned. He's very educated. Uh, he's also, he's Jewish, uh, but he's also a citizen of, of Rome. I mean, he's, there's all these different facets to who he is, but we meet him here. Our introduction is at the end of this section. Now, for our time this morning, what I want to do is I want to start back in Acts chapter 2 uh, for our partnership focus, okay? So we've done this kind of overarching picture of what's happening in the book of Acts in the first seven chapters. Now we're going to zero in and we're going to focus in on a particular part of this passage and we're talking about partnership once again. Um, I, I actually had this uh, great idea that I wanted to go up to Governor Dick um, and film a component of this, but uh, I was a little full and I just I couldn't make that happen. Because what I want to do is, I guess I want to start by saying, have you ever felt like your life is all about climbing a ladder? Maybe you work uh, as a business owner, uh, you like started a business, or maybe you can think back to a time that you were an employee, uh, or maybe even in ministry or church, like you feel like the goal is always to kind of climb the ladder. And you climb up a rung after rung after rung, and you get to this next level, and then this next level, and this next level. And you know, at work, it's all about the promotion, right? I want to get promoted. You know, with that next level up, I get, a, I get better pay, I get better hours, I get better benefits. I get more responsibility, I get more leadership, people respect me more. There's all sorts of reasons why we kind of climb that ladder. And of course, our culture and our society definitely challenges us to climb that ladder. One of the questions that is often asked, like when uh, young people get a job at a place and they're excited about it, you'll have an older person say, well, is there room for advancement? You know, and that for a young person getting a job, maybe their first job, that's the last thing they thought about. What do you, advancement, what does that matter? I mean, I have a job, they're just excited to have a job. Uh, but for a person who's been in the game their whole life, they're like, well, you have to think about the long-term future. So is there room for you to kind of climb that ladder? Is there to move up in the company? To um, Is there a future there, essentially? And so what we end up saying is 
without advancement, there's no future. That's kind of what we have in our mind. And so we, uh, you know, you might get a job at a gas station and, you know, raise your hand if you've worked in a gas station before. Me, I have. Um, and so I know that like when you tell people, oh, I work at the gas station, they kind of look down on you. They're like, oh, you look, <laughs> where, what are you going to do with that? You know, <laughs> it's just a temporary thing, isn't it? Or, or they look at you and they're just like, oh, that's the best you can do. And they just look down on you. Because again, we equate a lack of advancement with a dead end. Here's the interesting thing. It happens in church too. Um, there's these rungs, these levels that we have to climb, we have to get in, we have to, and, and we, we're proud of ourselves for them. And, and I, want, I want to be careful here because I don't want you to hear me say like being involved in a church and going deeper into a church, again, like that's all good stuff. Um, but it's about our heart that we bring to it. It's our mentality that we bring to it that can often make it not good. Um, and so you come to a church and let's say you like it. You appreciate the message. You enjoy the worship. The people seem friendly. Um, it's helped you a little bit in, in certain aspects of your life. You know, you're walking away with some things to work on, make you a better person, that kind of thing. And you're like, well, I, I kind of want to keep coming. I want to I dive in a little bit deeper. And so you decide that you're going to take a class. Okay, that might be the first rung. And then you decide you're going to take a membership class and then you're going to become a member and then you're going to be baptized and then you're going to work on taking some other classes so that one day you can teach and then you're going to take a position as a trustee helping out around the church and then eventually you may be a board member and like there's all these kind of rungs that we climb up and it's really easy for us to feel like church isn't just a place we can come and worship. It's not just a place we can come be together. It's just one more place that we seem to have to advance. Um, and if your whole life is about advancing, if your whole life is about the next step, um, you're definitely not living in the present. Um, and I think that's a challenge of this day and age, and that's part of the challenge of this quarantine time, is forcing each of us to think about what it means to live in the here and the now and the present. You know, if you live in regret, if all you think about is regret, well, then you're just living in the past and unable to live in the present. If all you think about is what could be, what will be, what might be, then you're just living in the future. And again, you're unable to live in the present. And when we come to church together on a Sunday morning to worship together, to learn together, to be together, um, we, we, don't, we want to engage the regret we have in our lives. Maybe there's some things we have to um, pack up, let go of, give to, give to Jesus and kind of rid ourselves of those burdens, uh, make our peace with it, be forgiven for it. Maybe that, that is a component of it. And certainly there's a component of the future. We want to dream together. We want to think about what could be together. But we don't want to do either of those things at the expense of being together in the present. And if your whole life is about advancement and you feel like church is just one more club that you come to where you just have to get to the next level or have to get to the next level to be deeper or get to know people or climb you're going to miss out on what's being offered in the present. And so in Acts chapter 2, we find that the church is beginning to form. Um, they're coming together, and we have a picture of people being very present. So I want to read um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and uh, to the end of the chapter. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's not easy to be present, is it? There's a lot of things in our lives that want to take our focus. They steal it away. We get, uh, we get lost in our phones. We get lost in the computer. We get lost thinking about what could have been or what might be. You know, There's just so many things that keep us from being present. Just think about driving in your car with somebody and uh, maybe they're on their phone or maybe they are reading a book or maybe they see a billboard and it takes them somewhere. Like It's very hard to be present because there's all these distractions in this world. And part of what's beautiful about this passage, when the early church comes together, they, they fellowship together daily. Uh, they, they, they share what they have. They make sure that there's no one in need. If they hear about someone in need, then they make sure the need is met. And that might require, um, let's call it pain, okay? That might, requ- that might require some pain for someone to sell a possession, give up something that they previously had. Um, last series, we talked about power, and so maybe it requires somebody to give up some power or use their power in a new way rather than being comfortable, but to help somebody else. When I was, um, when I was younger, my wife and I started a house church, and we, you know, we didn't set out to start a house church. We set out to kind of form a group for specifically young adults, and um, they came. Lots came, and they told their friends, and more came, and it kind of evolved from being like a small group into being something more than that. And we just, we tried not to put a name on it as much as we said, look, for some of you that come to this, this is your church, and that's okay. For some of you that come to this, you have a church you go to on a Sunday, and this is more like a small group, and that's okay. The point is that we're together, and that's what's important. And one of the things that we had decided to do as a group was be willing to be vulnerable enough to share needs if we had it. And uh, I can recall a very particular evening when we were meeting together that a young woman shared a need um, and, and through tears just, you know, it was a financial need. I don't know what I'm going to do next and I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. And, you know, after the our, our service together, our time together was done, I watched uh, a young man quietly, not drawing attention to himself, not... Um, not not making a show about it, just ask her what the need was and then write her a check on the spot to cover it. Um, didn't ask a whole lot of questions. He, he just knew that the need was there. He knew it was real. He was in fellowship with this other young uh, person enough to know her well enough to know that this wasn't um, some sort of a false need. And he had the means to meet the need, so he did, period. End of story. That's the whole thing. I, I just was lucky enough to see it happen. I, I'll never forget that. It, um, even now, as I share that with you, it, it actually brings some tears to my eyes thinking about that young man's heart in that moment. And, and he was just doing exactly what we are called to do, to listen to one another. You found a need, you heard a need. God's given you the ability to meet the need, and so you do. But that starts by being together, by being in fellowship with one another. Um, another thing that we did in that um, house church or small group 
one of the things we did is we we kind of were reading this passage in Acts and we said, look, we all have stuff, more stuff than we need, uh, stuff that we don't use. It just sits around. And, and so what we said is, look, we want you to bring the stuff that you don't need. Uh, and we're going to just put some boxes in our living room and just put it out. And uh, when everybody has their stuff laid out, if you can use something of somebody else's, um, then it's yours. You take it. Uh, so let's let's just use a silly example like a frying pan. I had too many frying pans. And so um, there's no way that I'm ever going to use four frying pans at the same time. So take two of those and I put them out. And if there's somebody who's living on their own in their first apartment who has no frying pan, they can take a frying pan. It's simple, right? Um, but it was other stuff. It was electronics. It was... It was, it was literally just all the stuff that people had that they just didn't need. And they laid it out and people took freely what they could use and what they needed. And then the leftover stuff, one of the things we said we don't want to do is be more cluttered people. We want to be uh, less cluttered in our lives, have less distractions. We said we're going to sell at a big yard sale everything that we brought together that people can't use and need. And now we're going to take that money that we, we raise and we're going to do something with it just to bless people. And so... We had this massive community yard sale, you know, um, you know, 30 or so different people bringing their stuff, trying to sell it. And then all the money that's raised from selling the stuff, we put into a pot and we tried to utilize that money to bless, you know, the community in various ways. Um, and that, those are stories for another day. But I guess I tell you these stories because I want you to think a little bit outside the box about what partnership could look like. I'm telling you stories about young people who are doing this. Young people might be more willing to take the risk, but older people have seen so much more than young people. They have different ideas. They've seen what does work and what doesn't work. Um, and looking back on all the experiences that we had with this particular group of people, there are things that I would do differently. For sure. And that's called experience. We need both experience and we need the ability or the willingness to risk. And so we have this passage about these believers that come together. They have everything in common. They're making sure that needs are met. They're breaking bread together and they have everything in common and they have these glad and sincere hearts. People aren't focused on climbing a ladder. They're not focused on getting to the next level. They are focused on being present with one another enjoying the company of one another, fellowshipping, worshiping, learning together, and caring for one another. I think that there's a lot of challenge in all of that for us. And this is kind of an easy passage for us to pick on, I'll be honest with you, because um, this is like everybody's kind of ideal. This is what the church should look like and could look like. Well, most churches don't look like that anymore. That's okay. But we need to take passages like that and stories like that and be willing to challenge ourselves and say, okay, just because my church isn't a house church doesn't mean that there isn't stuff that I have that's cluttering up my house that I don't need that I could bless somebody else with. Um, doesn't mean that um, there isn't a way that I can creatively love and care for people around me. I just heard a story. You talk about partnership and people coming together to fellowship together, to be together. I just heard a story this week about um, one member of our congregation who has been missing the messages and uh, the services and has you know, always doesn't want to miss them. 
And so another person in our congregation is able to play these, the messages and the services kind of over a speaker. She puts her cell phone on speaker and places it near where the sound's coming off. And so the first person in our congregation is sitting there on their phone, able to listen to the whole thing because somebody else is willing to put their phone on speakerphone next to a speaker. And so then they sit there, kind of like they're together in church, sitting next to each other, worshiping together, fellowshipping together. That's partnership. That's being creative. And, and I want to tell you this too. Neither of these individuals, and I'm sure you guys know exactly who you are, they wouldn't call themselves young, would they? No. See, young adults, they have this ability to take risks, and we need that. But some of our folks who are no longer young adults have the experience and the creativity, and it's been a long time since somebody asked them to utilize it in a way um, that can be an inspiration to the rest of us. It's a simple thing to help somebody else be a part of our service on a Sunday. But what an incredible blessing that neither of them are ever going to forget. They found a way to fellowship despite some of the separation that they're in right now. What a gift they are to one another. So let me wrap this up. The challenge this week, as we look at the first seven chapters, as we think about this, um, you know, chapter two, the very end of chapter two, about what the church looked like, about what they put themselves to and they, they put their energy towards, it all starts with being together being in fellowship with one another. I don't mean that we have to be together, sitting next to each other, uh, holding hands. That would be nice. And eventually, we're going to get back there again. And I'm, oh man, I'm looking forward to that day with you. Right now, together means being together in spirit. Less so in body and more so in spirit. There are ways that you can choose to be together. There are ways that you can choose to fellowship. There are ways that you can still get to know the people in our church. And it might require a little bit of pain. I mean that you might have to be a little inconvenienced. It's going to take some of your time. It's going to take some of your energy. It's going to require you to pick up that phone and call somebody. It's going to require you to send that email or write that letter and put it in the mail. Look, there are ways to do this. Ways that we can be excited about, that we can be proud of, that we can continue to get to know one another. Because the, the partnership that we see in the beginning of the, of the book of Acts, it starts with fellowship. All the believers were together. Everything builds out of there. And, and they, don't always, they don't all start knowing each other. Think about when the Spirit descends at Pentecost and all of the apostles begin to preach. They preach to strangers. They preach in a different language, one that they had never known. But it was so that these people could be drawn to them and be incorporated into their fellowship together. They are coming into fellowship, spending time together. They're giving together. They're serving together. And they're growing together. We can still do that even in this time. And that doesn't have to be a requirement of, you know, just the deacons do all the calling. Just the board members do all the calling around. No, 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 no. We all do that. 
because we are all a part of this body. We're all a part of this community. We all pick up that phone and we all call somebody else. This isn't about being at a certain level. It's not about climbing a ladder till you're the person that makes the phone call. What I'm telling you right now is if you consider our community to be your home, then you are at the level you need to be at to be engaged in being together and having fellowship and getting to know each other so that we can grow together. Because the more we grow now, the more that we engage with each other now, the day we come back together is going to be that much better, that much more of a reunion, a celebration, a party together. And as we study partnership together and we start challenging ourselves with some of the passages from scripture, it's going to unlock creativity in us so that when we come back together, you're going to come up with an idea and be like, Pastor, I'd like to try this thing. What do you think? Sounds great. That's awesome. I bless you. Let's go do it. Uh, What do you need from me? You know, you're the person that comes up and says, look, there is a a vast need at this apartment building for senior living and we, I want to make food and I want to deliver it. And I'm great. How do I help you with that? Oh, I need transportation. Done. Let's, let's meet that need because this is something we want to be about. You understand? We all have ideas. We can all be creative. We can, we can all check in on one another. We can all engage each other. We can all grow together in this and we should. And when we come out of this quarantine on the other side, our church, our community, God's body, the body of Jesus is going to be that much stronger because of it. So today, this week, would you join me in partnering by being together? Let's pray. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together.